did we believe we could win the thing? Oh, I don't know. I don't think so. Probably not. I think we we knew we we could paddle really well on a good day. Um, but I'm, I'm not too sure we, we quite thought that it could go that far. Welcome to the Press Toward the Goal podcast. Today we are speaking with a young man who became a national hero at the Tokyo 2021 Olympics when he continued Australia's rich history in sprint kayak by winning gold in the men's K2 1000 metres in Olympic record time as well, if you don't mind. John van der Westhausen, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jason. Pleasure to be here. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, awesome. I probably should get first things first did i get the pronunciation of your name right you know what i think um you come as close as everyone else comes so i think you nailed it <laughs> thank you well aside from being uh, an olympic champion i thought it would be a good idea for us to let our audience get to know you a little bit so are you all right if i just go ahead and ask you some questions you just think absolutely Fire perfect ahead. first answer that comes to mind if you can give that to us let's go is there a question you get asked that you wish people didn't ask? Ooh, good one. Um, yes, everyone always thinks my my dog is a boy and it's a girl, and that kind of frustrates me. <laughs> yeah, they're a bit protective. Yeah, well, animal owners are their pets, so that's perfectly <laughs> reasonable. Uh, are you an Apple or an Android man? Apple all day long. Apple, good man, good man. Uh, what's something you eat or drink too much of? Mm. I probably eat a bit too much chocolate at the moment, especially in off season. Um, but probably I probably eat too much eggs in in my normal life, my normal day to day life. But drinking, nah, I'm pretty good all around. I, I back myself there. I'm pretty yeah. sweet. Yeah, good stuff. But sounds like you got a sweet tooth, like many of I us. Do. Yeah, and like you say, off-season's probably the best time for that indulgence. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what's the most used app on your phone? Probably uh, WhatsApp, to be honest. Messaging my girlfriend. Not oh, even yeah. going to lie. Yeah, straight <laughs> up. Well, she'll be <laughs> pleased to hear that anyway. Uh, what can't you leave the house without? My undies. <laughs> <laughs> You, are you one of these guys that can't go out without leaving your phone? Oh, sorry, without taking your phone? Oh, nah, I can leave my phone behind. Um, oh, oh, well. Probably, that probably would be the thing I'd probably take out the most, but nah, I, I'm yeah. going to stick with the undies. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. I don't think um, that, that's something many of us would forget, I hope. <laughs> Uh, how how many nights? This is a, this is an important one, I think. Uh, how many nights did you sleep with your medal around your neck after you won in Tokyo? Oh, oh man, I haven't I actually haven't done that yet. It's just chilling in the sock drawer. So. <laughs> okay, that's a good idea. Maybe I'll, I'll I'll give it a go. Fair enough. Do you think that's a bit of a myth? We hear about athletes, some stories of them sleep going to bed with it on, or is it no, something? No, I haven't, I haven't met one. I haven't met one yet. So oh. if you find one, let me know. I'd like a chat to him. Yeah, fair enough. Well, that that myth may have just been busted. <laughs> 
now's a good time for us to talk about the Tokyo Olympics, where you kind of shot to fame there, um, winning the, the gold medal. And is it true that you booked your place to the Games in March 2020? So you were actually one of the last athletes to qualify before COVID put everything on hold. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's actually right. We were one of the, the last sports to qualify before COVID hits and all of that crazy stuff happened. So we were quite fortunate to kind of get our sport, our spots early on and kind of have to go through COVID stressing about, um, you know, just actually getting getting your name on the piece of paper that sends you to the game. So we had a, we we're quite fortunate that we had a nice kind of lead into the games and, and, and a good couple months um, to really sort of set up preparation and, and get ready for what was to come. Yeah, and we, was your training impacted at all by the COVID lockdown or were you able to continue? Yeah, I think everyone's training was impacted. We were super lucky, um, you know, on the Gold Coast, you know, restrictions weren't too tight for too long. Um, but it was kind of just navigating, not burning out um, too quickly and, and going to training straight away and, and trying to grind it out till the game is, but having a bit of a break and, and starting up again like you normally do. Um, so yeah, I was kind of did a lot of cross training during COVID, um, like I think a lot of other guys did as well. And then really kind of just came back in October, which is when we always come back. And actually, no, it was July. So we did, we did come back a bit earlier. Um, but yeah, we were ready to go. Uh, kind of just, it wasn't almost refreshing knowing we'd qualified, but it was, a, it was just a, it was another layer, I think, of maybe calmness um, with yeah. my preparation that it, that it brought. So yeah, it was good. Yeah, but it, it was it was your your first Olympics, obviously. You're still a relatively young guy now, but do you think that the extra year that you had to prepare personally, do you think that was a benefit for yourself? Yeah, I think absolutely. Um a lot changed in that year with myself and Tom. Um yeah, I was I was sitting at the back of the boat, he was in the front, and we made a change for that I was in the front and himself, Tommy in the back. And that seemed to work out a lot better. Um, so yeah, we, we would have been racing the games in a totally different um, seed order. So that could have turned out very differently. So yeah, the year definitely helped us a lot, gave us a little bit of time to, to progress. Although it was still a bit of a rush for us, you know, we never had an opportunity as a crew to compete internationally and see where, where we were in that regard. Um, so a lot of things were the would be a first time for us at the Games, first time competing internationally, first time racing um, in a catered international event. So there was still a lot of unknown heading into the Games and, and yeah, a lot of things we weren't sure of, I guess. Yeah, well, I was actually going to ask you about that and you, you just mentioned that prior to the Games, you and Tom hadn't actually competed in K2 at an international event previously. Uh, do, do you think that you went into the games kind of under the radar or or maybe unsure even yourselves of where you stood in the in, mm. with your chances? Yeah, I think um, absolutely. We were sort of still coming up as juniors and under 23s. Both myself and Tommy had had some decent results at a junior and under 23 level and we're kind of just breaking through onto the senior stage. Um, I think at that stage, we knew that at an individual level, we were capable of, of doing quite well and competing at a higher level. But, you know, that's, that's one thing to get yourself at a stage where you, where you know you can compete at that level, but actually having the experience to go out there and put everything together um, in a race and a big stage is a whole different story. Um, 
so yeah there was definitely a lot of unknown and I think um, we always believed that we were a strong crew and we were able to do you know some good times and good sets on the water but did we believe we could win the thing oh I don't know I don't think so probably not I think we we knew we we could paddle really well on a good day um but I'm, I'm not too sure we, we quite thought that it could go that far yeah awesome I I is, is, am I correct that you were a uh, gold medalist at the under 23s in the K4? Yeah, so we'd, we'd won some world championship titles in, in junior and under 23 level. But I mean, that's great, but you can't compare that to a senior level and you definitely can't compare that to an Olympic level either. So those are great things to have behind your back and great kind of stepping stones. But if you compare it to that that next level of senior racing and, and especially in the big games, you know, it's great to have that, but you, you'd be kind of foolish to think that that's a, that's something to, to really think that it's going to, I don't know, kind of safeguard you at the games or thinking that yeah. result is, is going to be, be good enough to compete against those top cars. Cause it's not. So, yeah. Yeah. You, you've kind of mentioned there the the step up almost from the junior levels to the, world championships in the opens, the Olympics. Um, I actually saw an interview from you. I'm not sure if you remember this from 2019 where you, where you were at the world championship trials, I think it was, and you were talking about going from the juniors and you, and the quote that I got and, and I quote, you said the ultimate goal is to be on the senior team. So Mm -hmm. what, what you, you would have said that I'm sure, uh, hoping to join the senior team, but was that really the ultimate goal for you, or did you always have the inner belief that I can make the senior team and even go on to be successful at these major major meets? Yeah, I don't. I'm not too sure. I think my, for me personally, my career has always been. I've always, I've always really tried to put my best foot forward in training and um and all the little things outside of training as well, and hoping that I can kind of improve year on year month on month even when you're a junior you know and your progression is really quite steep um and I and I always knew that I could that I could compete with the guys because in once and once you kind of get a feel for where you're at in training and you improve and you know you're able to do certain sets with the guys you, you kind of start to develop a little bit of confidence that you can race really well if you put together a good race and yeah so I think I did believe I, I could make the senior team absolutely um but did I think I could compete at a high level um, internationally as a senior? I don't know. I think um, I would like to think so. But did I truly actually believe it? I don't know. I think I'd have to sort of sit down and really think about that because I don't, I don't think at that stage I did. Yeah, you, met, you mentioned in your training, um, you kind of get a gauge of where you are and the, the crew that you train with, there are other Olympic champions in that crew from previous Olympics. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. We're super fortunate to have some great guys within our training environment. Um, yeah, we had two Olympic champions. I've been really fortunate to train with uh, two guys that had already won a gold medal in separate events, one in the single, one in the K4, um, and actually being coached by a gold medalist as well and being coached by a coach that's had a lot of success at Olympics. So, you know, you're in, you're in good hands. Um, so it was great to kind of be just amongst that um, that environment with those cars in it. And you really learn a lot, you know, you learn what the standard is, how they do things. Um, 
and also I guess how you can maybe do things a little bit better than them to to kind of take that next step yourself so yeah it was fantastic I mean we had, we had great um, role models within the group and, and great great coaches as well yeah what one of the unique things about your sport um, obviously in the K2 where you won the gold medal you you were in the boat with Tom Green and you two were actually rivals the day before in the semi-finals of the individual event weren't you yeah yeah myself and tommy we've kind of been training together for a while now and it's it's always so epic with tommy because we great mates off the water and we we push ourselves um on the water as well so yeah it's, it, it was amazing to kind of walk that journey with him yeah sure we were rivals on the water and the day uh the two days before the k2 but i think we both want each other to do really well um and i really enjoy i really enjoy seeing tommy's success and I'd like to think he enjoys seeing my success as well. But unfortunately, those two days weren't successful for either of us. Um, and, yeah, it was great to come together the next two days and, and, and share a great moment. Yeah, certainly did come together. And one one of the moments of the games for myself as a believer was watching Channel 7 uh, after the medal presentation. Uh, they gave they they were interviewing yourself and Tom and, and you made quite a a bold public declaration about about your faith what what was it at that moment that kind of overwhelmed you and what was the emotion that, that led to you to kind of revealing your faith at that time oh well i think um you know for me personally it wasn't it wasn't myself that decided that on the day i was going to win gold and it wasn't in my own strength that i managed to get there and i was always aware of that and i was just really appreciative that god actually chose me um to have that moment because i never really believed it myself and the fact that that was his plan for me i was just like oh my gosh you know i just never i never actually thought that i would be that i would be that guy um so i just wanted to yeah, it wasn't that I wanted to make it public. It was on my mind. I was just kind of speaking from my heart and I felt in my heart to say that at the moment. Um, and that's just really what it is because I wouldn't have done it without him. Um, wouldn't have done anything without him. So I was just appreciative. And yeah, if I can kind of glorify his name through that event and through that medal, then fantastic. Um, yeah, so I felt, it's not that I felt super strongly about it. It's just natural to me, I suppose. Yeah, awesome. That That's great. Um, so obviously you, you are in the Olympics, you, you win the gold medal, you have to do a few weeks quarantine in Darwin before you could go home to celebrate with family and friends. Mm, yeah, that quarantine was pretty crazy, man. Like two weeks in Darwin was, yeah, it was, it was really boring out there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you know what, it was just, it is what it is. And I, I think it was kind of cool as well to just just relax after such a crazy couple of months and a, and a crazy week at the games, just to just chill out for two weeks and do nothing. And um, yeah, I'd reply to all the messages and catch up with some friends and family over the phone. Yeah, it was fantastic, you know, um, in that regard. So that was really cool. But yeah, otherwise being in that little room was, uh, wasn't fun. <laughs> <laughs> so how has your life changed since becoming an Olympic gold medalist? Yeah, I don't think it's actually, it hasn't changed too much at all, to be honest. It's not like I've got crazy big sponsors or 
um yeah i'm living in like a mansion or anything like that it's just it's stayed relatively the same and i think i'm happy about that as well um yeah i still kind of work my part-time job i well i still train as hard as i did before i was an olympic champion i think um but i think what it did for me was it gave me a lot of confidence um in my racing moving forward that i can compete at a high level and that sort of showed in this season where we continued to kind of get a bit of success which was great um and you know from a faith standpoint it just reminded me again about how how you know god's plans can be so much greater than our than our own um and just always trust in him because sometimes what you what you want um is not always greater i don't know how to actually say this but what we expect and what we want are kind of two different things and when god kind of steps in that picture it can be so much better than our expectation and our our own personal wants so yeah that's that's really kind of how my life uh, how my perspective on life has changed but how my life has changed um yeah it stayed relatively the same um you you mentioned there that you you're still working part-time you've you still training so i imagine you you don't get you don't get much downtime it's it'd be quite full-on working and uh training as well i mean most people imagine professional athletes you know the the best athletes in the world and you're an olympic gold medalist the best in the world at something and you're still going to work i mean you with so many people around australia and around the world get a kayak out on the weekend and they'll they'll go find some water somewhere and go for a kayak and and you're the best in the world at this, but but you're still not training full time. You're going to work and putting a kayak in the water after work or before work to hone those skills. Yeah, well, I'm I'm training full time. Um, I'm still like I that's my number one. So I kind of fit in work around my training because um, I think you know I already value a career outside of sport and it's important to me and I feel like I have the capability and the the blessing and the opportunity to be able to work as well. So yeah, it's not like we're getting paid a crazy amount to, to do it full time. So yeah, I just feel like it's, it's, it's a great opportunity for me to kind of ticket something on the outside and have a work for a great company that supports me in that. Um, and yeah, as the season progresses, I get more time to focus on and, and, and dial in on my sport. So it works it works quite well and I'm, and I'm very lucky that i have the setup that i do so yeah i think it's it's pretty cool i'm just i'm super appreciative of it yeah you mentioned as well uh how your work does support your training and your competing you were at the world championships just last month in canada mm. yeah i mean yeah my work's been super great i get to work from home when when i need to get to come in the office like now during the off season I'm, I'm doing some full-time hours which has been great but yeah they're just super flexible um with me and, and really kind of just support me as much as um as much as they can so yeah it's been it's been fantastic yeah and I, I think you kind of shied away from where I was trying to direct the conversation there with the world championships now you got a medal in the individual event at the world championships this year didn't you yeah, was, we um well, I raced uh, in the K1 500, which is not an Olympic distance event, so it doesn't have as much prestige as um, for the for the K1 and K2 500. Um, but yeah, it was great. I mean, we still had some great competition in there with 
Olympic medalists um, as well. So it was fantastic to pick up a medal there against a really good quality field. Um, and yeah, I think it, it was it was a really really tough year after after the games um, for several reasons. But yeah, it was great to kind of finish off the season with with the medal in both events. It was it was great. Yeah, that that's awesome. Now you you mentioned it was a tough year. Did you sense any sort of come down from the high of winning the Olympic Games when you come back to training, or were you motivated more more than ever to? Well, I think I was actually super motivated coming back from the games because I now had this sense of belief that um, yeah I could really compete to that level, and I still had things I really wanted to improve on as as an athlete and an individual, and I thought I could you know we could be a lot better. Um, and I think we did. I think we were a lot better this season. Um, but yeah, it was just super tough. And we we lost a couple of coaches, a couple of key members of our team. And um, there was a bit of restructuring going on within the whole organization. And I suppose that change was just really hard for us after experiencing a lot of success within our, within our current group. But yeah, I suppose, you know, we've kind of moved on from that and, and try to make the best of everything. Um, so yeah, and then like Tommy has got COVID, one week before world championships so oh, we had to well. kind of deal with that hurdle we're kind of unsure if he was going to race but knowing tommy he yeah he still rocked up and lined up and gave it everything which is awesome um but yeah you know what we move on to the next season we will try again and we'll see what happens yeah speaking of the next season we're less than two years away from the paris olympic games and um You've got your little brother nipping at your heels now with Pierre no. making the world champs this year as well. Yeah, it was awesome to have my little bro on the team. He's um got so much talent and it's crazy to think he's only 18. Um, some wow. of the stuff that he's doing in training is, excuse me, definitely a lot better than what I was doing. So I think the, yeah, his potential is as much as he wants to or as as much as he really wants to to make of it and 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 allow it so yeah it's been great to have him and just share that experience with him it's it's, uh, it's bloody awesome yeah that's that would be so good i mean imagine there was a bit of sibling rivalry growing up and then potentially having that play out on the world stage would be something that you would never have even in your wildest dreams no absolutely not and i think it's super special i'm just yeah i'm like again just so thankful for that opportunity to share that with my my brother and to see him work hard and and fail and and also get success you know it's cool it's it's awesome to watch him kind of walk through the good days the bad days and and the the competing side of the sport just just everything it's it's great to be able to help him a little bit uh, along the way so yeah it's it's amazing it's it's really cool and I'm really looking forward to what he makes of it yeah, well, he's certainly got a good role model in yourself. Uh, so no, I to, you've sort of set the bar pretty high for him. So <laughs> if he can get reach those same heights, that'd be absolutely amazing. I'm sure he will. Yeah. Now, just just one final question. Um, how does Jean van der Westhausen want to be remembered? Um, honestly, I think I just want to be remembered as a as a nice guy, um, a guy that, uh, yeah, was just pretty pretty laid back, but also in the same sense, really worked hard at, at what he did and and gave everything to the sport and, and never kind of took shortcuts or anything like that. But yeah, I think if I could be remembered as a nice guy who 
enjoyed a chat and could give back in one way or another, I think that would be amazing. Yeah, that I've certainly from my experience, you're you're very humble and um, even Thanks, agreeing mate. to come on come on to my podcast when we're just in the early days. I really appreciate that. And I hope that the audience gets something out of it because I've really enjoyed having a chat with you today, John. And we wish you all the best for the future next season. Enjoy the rest. Don't eat too much chocolate. <laughs> oh, I think I'm already there, Jason. But it's been an absolute pleasure to come on, be the first guest on your podcast. It's super cool. And uh, I really wish uh, wish you the best of luck. And yeah, I'm looking forward to listening to a whole bunch of other um, athletes and about their faith and their journey. It's going to be cool. So well done for stepping out and, and doing this. Yeah, good Amazing. on you, John. Thanks for being a guest. Cool, Jason. Go well, man. Thank you. Cheers, eh? Bye. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Press Toward the Goal podcast, take a minute to give us a rating and review on the podcast app you're currently listening on. Make sure you follow us on Instagram where the handle is Press Toward the Goal, all one word. You can also find us on YouTube where unedited video recordings of the conversations featured on this show will be posted. Thanks for your support, and I look forward to sharing another conversation with you soon.